So I'm over the moon to announce that we've got a new sponsor. It's BDO, who are the trusted accountancy and advisory firm that you may know. BDO is the perfect partner for our podcast, as we both love to help entrepreneurs build high-value businesses, and BDO are always there to help advise people like you on how to succeed. I had the pleasure of meeting a few of the team at the Publican Awards, and I found out they were massive fans of the podcast, were obsessed with the success of our industry, and also a million miles away from the grey-suited drones that you usually deal with. To check out more about BDO and how they can help you get to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Supersonic! 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I'm over at Steelyard, which sounds like it should be in Brixton or something, but it's actually in the city of London, next to where I started life in London, uh, next to Cousin Lane, which is where I had my first flat, staying with my wife's auntie, so that was really good fun. Look out the front, you could see St Paul's, look out the back, you could see HMS Belfast, really incredible place to be, very weird at weekends though. So we were over at Experience 101 from Chris and Kieran who created this inaugural festival for everyone to go along and really focus on customer experience and employee experience. While they were all getting set up, I had the absolute joy of meeting with one of my business heroes, Mario C. Bauer. If there is a happier, kinder, more switched on person in our industry, I would love to meet them. Being with Mario, even talking to him over email, speaking with him on LinkedIn, whatever, there's just positivity and joy coming out of that man like you wouldn't believe. So Mario rocked up fresh from a flight with his suitcase and his beautiful scarf and his amazing shoes, so he knows how to rock the personal brand. And we had a nice chat all about his journey everything that he did with Vapiano, all the way through to his latest business idea, which is Curtis Brothers Ketchup, which is really ketchup for adults. So really taking on the big boys in terms of Heinz, and I think he's going to make a massive dent, like iPod earphones did uh, back in the day, in the ketchup industry. So watch this space and listen to what Mario has got to say. So today I've got the most pleasure ever oh, la, la. <laughs> for a ketchup catch-up um, with the incredible teddy bear man himself. Thank you. Mario C. Bauer. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's a pleasure. I was so glad you could fit it in because we're doing this. Um, then you've got to go on stage like straight away. Yeah. Um, and I'm speaking day. after you. So yeah, we're at Experience 101 um, led by the... Yeah, legendary uh, Boy Bailey Speaks, Kieran Bailey, and uh, we're at the Steel Yard, um, 
which I actually lived in the next street when I first moved to London. Really? And in Cousin Lane, it was my wife's cousin, so my wife's auntie, and the cousins mm-hmm. lived in Cousin Lane, which is just there. It's not there anymore. The flats get knocked down. But they had a free house here because he worked for what's called the London Corporation. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those days, I think it was like quotas of you must employ Scottish people and Irish people and all these things. So he moved down and they got a free... I think they only paid their electricity bill. And if you look out the front to the left is St Paul's. Yeah. Look out the back yeah. to the left is the Belfast and Tower Bridge. It's great. What a place. <laughs> so it's amazing. So I'm very grateful to them because I wouldn't be here if they if they didn't take me in. So that was excellent. Yeah, really cool. So today, um, we've got a few things to talk about. Um, So we're going to go through your background a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, Co-founder of Curtis Brothers, Mm -hmm. the amazing Curtis Brothers, um, and we'll come on to that. And obviously an ex-executive, former executive at Vapiano as well, opening hundreds of restaurants. Which sounds amazing, in 31 countries, which I didn't realise there was that many, which is amazing. So yeah, so I guess it's to, to hear from you. You've just landed... Yeah, tell us about your background, how this crazy journey happened and what you're doing today. I started the childhood because I think a lot of things happened there. I grew up as a son of a butcher uh-huh. and uh, we had a butcher shop and a restaurant. And I always said, okay, I will never, ever work in this restaurant business because as a kid, on the one hand, you appreciate it because you were a lot of people. Yeah. But on the other hand, you hate it because your parents never have time. Because it's all circled about this typical uh, mom and pop shop, so yeah. you work twenty four seven. So I said, okay, this is I will be I will be better. <laughs> so I studied investment banking, completely something different, and I, I disliked it. Yeah. So after finishing university, I set up my own business, and it was a bagel store. It was pre-Starbucks time, and we said we already smelled the, the Starbucks, the coffee shops coming because we knew it from traveling. Yeah. We said, okay, let's be faster, but let's be smart and not put the coffee in the center, put the bakery in the, a bagel in the center. We did the bagel. What is original Viennese uh, item? Yes, yes. It's Jewish, obviously. Uh-huh. So we did a bagel chain. It was really fun. We had no idea. We opened 14 of them, two of them in Kuala Lumpur. Oh. What is a funny side story because it's obviously a Muslim country and to import a, a Jewish bagel was yeah. quite quite tricky. <laughs> and then um, the founder of Apiano contacted me who had also bagel chain and said, look, let's merge. So we merged that. And then out of this merge, I moved to Hamburg. And in this year, Vapiano was set up. And it was back then, nobody knew and could imagine how big that was. So I helped as a friend. We opened the first store. And then, then we grow it into this. So you were there from dream. store one. Yes, but as as I said, as a friend, family, not even employed, I was running yeah, my yeah. bagel chain. And then later on, when we when we felt that this will go international, I really took the international business. I traveled a lot, opening China and opening Colombia. That was fun. But then the company grew and grew, and I got promoted, promoted. And at the end, I had the best job on the paper being executive when we had the IPO mm. but I didn't like it because yeah. it was too close to to be only in the offices a lot of bureaucracy what what is needed obviously if you have a yes. public company and then I said okay I need to do something new and then this crazy catch-up idea came um, so and now I'm, I'm back on groundwork I'm running a startup and we can talk about that, but I really look back on the good times on the piano, yeah. and I think I, I, for me, for myself, I found the right moment to 
to leave. I learned yeah. a lot. I have an incredible network of friends, yes. and and uh, I can visit them all and, and do some fun stuff with them. Well, I think that's the thing that strikes me the most about you. You know, and we've only really known each other in the passing or on LinkedIn mm-hmm. or whatever. And you know, I'm in awe of you a bit. You know, in terms of. I think you're fearless with the things that you do. I mean, some of the things that you say you're doing, you know, opening a bagel stone column, but you're like, what? And also, you're just like one of the happiest humans I've ever met. Like, even your eyes smile, which is like such a good <laughs> a good key, you know? And I think, uh, you know, whenever I see your posts and, you know, and even like your strap line that you've got on LinkedIn saying, you know, there's only two things in life, what is it? Mm-hmm. Food and pack, love food, and food, love yeah. and food. So again, you just see that and you think, yeah, this, this guy's different. And I think there's also like a personal brand thing you have, which is really mm-hmm. strong. You stand out, you know, the glasses, the, the scarf, the, the, you know, and I think, you know, when I first came across you uh, in Zurich, when, when we met, you were up on stage and things like that. And I, and I started to, you know, it subconsciously kind of went into me because it was like, you know, for you to stand out, you know, like Kieran does here that's running Experience 101, you know, the hat, the shoes, the beard, mm. the, the whatever. I think there's a lot to be said for thinking about your look, no matter how you look, if that makes mm. sense. It comes across. But all the things I've seen, you know, Pooja, for example, that used to uh, work at, you know, Selfridges and Harvey Nichols, mm-hmm. good friends. And um, yeah, I saw it at your ketchup evening, um, which I was meant to go to, and I missed. And I saw this big, generous barbecue thing going on. Like yeah, a, was fun, it yeah. was like a meat rave yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so it was just really exciting. So, you know, what I really love is the way you do business, I can see, is with kindness. And you do so many of these podcasts, or you're in meetings and you meet clients and the way they deal with people and the way they deal with each other doesn't work like that, you know? And it makes you sad, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you do these things. But I was thinking just about Vapiano. So with Vapiano, um, the name, does it mean something? Or was it just a kind of made-up name? It was like, Chi Vapiano, Valsano e Valontano. That's an Italian saying, like always with the Italian, they say it longer. Mm. Basically, it says... Uh, keep it low, simple, enjoy life. It's like Vapiano go means slow and enjoy life. And um, that was, it's like a certain lifestyle to also be cautious about the ingredients. At the end of the day, we never really told the story, but we like the meaning. Yeah. Because it's also, if you really take it like Vapiano, we are not a, we are fast food restaurant yeah. and not, not going slow. But it was like a mindset. And, and what you said before, I always had this rule to say you only do business with people who you would go on holiday with. Mm-hmm. Because in every relationship you form, we know that you will have your troubles. You have your up and downs. You will have your, maybe not fights, but disagreement. And if it's with somebody you like, mm-hmm. you maybe overcome that. Yeah. Uh, if you if you start doing business partnerships, joint ventures, franchising, what I did a lot, with somebody you dislike, mm-hmm. and it sounds very egoistic, but I think... If I don't like this person, most likely my team will not like this person mm. because I picked my team so they're quite similar. So how could that be mm. work out? And I really think we had this dating periods. We really took a year time to meet somebody and really decide do we form a joint venture, do we form a franchising? Because then you find out if that's really sustainable. Mm-hmm. And the, the, and I had a seminar on Friday, the most tricky thing is to say no, because if you start putting so much energy, work, um, money in, and then at the end you say, I don't think that's fit, but that's the most important decision to say no. 
before going into that. And and I really think I stayed with this with this lifestyle. I also stayed with this lifestyle when when we formed the Curtis Brothers because okay, this is a fun hobby, so let's only do it with fun people. Mm. And and this positive energy, I think we are 100% depending in the hospitality industry on our staff. And a lot of people talk about stuff and you say you, you should do this and that. But at the end of the day, if you're there, you're authentic, you form relationships and you just give positive energy, that's all what you can do. Yeah. And if I travel to Colombia or to Bogota, I'm there for one and a half, two days. So what can I really do? Yeah. Like At the end of the day, pumping in energy into the local partner, giving him credit, giving him recognition by just jumping in the plane and flying there. And sometimes that's enough. If, oh. if the partner knows that you flew 14 hours, 17 hours to meet him... Oh. He gets pumped up again and puts the positive energy back. And then you take the people, you celebrate, you dance, you give good food, and then you fly and everybody's happy. Because to come in and give shit yeah. doesn't really help because then everybody is demotivated. Yeah. You fly out and you leave the shit behind. It doesn't yeah. really make sense. And that's why I love this job so much because, yes, it's exhausting to fly around, but if you give the positive energy and we had crazy stuff and convention and dancing, you get so much positive energy back. Yeah. And that's kind of bumping yourself, bumping yourself up. And out of this mindset, also we created this teddy bear story. What is not from me, but I borrowed that. Yeah, yeah. tell us about that. Because <laughs> yeah. I noticed your Pret badge as well. Yeah. On there. we'll but this I stole from Brett, or yeah. Brett stole from me. I'm not sure. We need to talk to, to Clive and the guys who, who stole from whom. No, I. I go like you to a lot of these seminars and conferences and, and sometimes you have key, keynote speaker who really add value not just to to the world you're working with really to your mindset and there was a blind mountain climber and that's already very weird if yeah. you have a blind mountain climber who climbed all the, the, the big ones the Mount Everest the Kilimanjaro and I already found I mean I don't even climb and I see so so this person talked about not having fears etc it's very impressive but then in the Q&A in a smaller round Somebody asked him, did you never have fear? Like, and he said, sure. Like, I had a lot of fear when I grew up, when I was a boy, when I was eight, nine. I was very um, afraid to open the door and enter room because I never knew what is behind the door. So he went to his father and he grew up in a very, very small village. And his father was a very simple man, but with a big heart. And when he grew up, the, the mayor and the priest said to him, with the two main persons in the uh, villages, look, you need to send your boy away because we don't have schools. How can you raise in the, in the Austrian mountains a boy who is yeah. blind? But he kept him and he raised him. So this boy comes to his father and said, look, I'm so scared to open the doors. There could be ghosts, there could be things where I'm, I get hurt. And the father looked at him and said, I don't understand when you open the door, why you always imagine the bad things, what could happen to you. You could open the door and there could be a room full of teddy bears. So try to picture that. Because anyhow, you don't know what is behind the door, but you feel much better if you picture the positive things and then they happen. So I got so touched by this story. So I went to this guy in his Austrian too and I said, Andy, do you mind if I borrow this teddy bear thing? Because you just mentioned I want to steal your keynote. He said, no, no, fine, use it. So I start writing a book about that. And we, we uh, I think I buy per year four to 600 teddy bears. 
and give them away at conventions and, yeah. and, and to people because it makes everybody happy. I saw you doing that on yeah. stage, like throwing teddy bears. Like, this is and crazy. even like grown up men. And then the funny thing, I had one of these conventions in Barcelona and I think we gave 600 teddy bears away. And the next morning I was on the airport and I saw like really 40, 50 year old men holding a teddy bear and walking through the airport to bring them home. So I stayed with that theme and, and we call it the teddy bears everywhere and together with a friend who is a professional storyteller because I'm not, we, we wrote a book and we donate everything for kids' hospitals. Amazing. So uh, now we got, last year we were 20, 30,000. This year I want to do much more as I told you. So I want to use this teddy bear story as a constant theme to do some good yeah. but also create a meaning because it's such a short story but at the end of the day it, it gives you so much if you decide yourself how you feel yeah? yeah and if you see the teddy bears you will smile but if you decide to see what can be negative behind that and and crossing your border and crossing your comfort zone yeah, yeah. because everything what we like to achieve and you, we just talk about your switch in your career is outside of the comfort zone it's mm. so easy to stay inside. I could have stayed at the piano, pick up my big uh, paycheck, yeah. and and uh, that's comfort zone. It took me two years of kind of, ah, I need to get out of here. And the same is with yeah. a relationship. You're sometimes stuck in a relationship, and you know it's wrong, but mm. it's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And then it takes you, but once you're out, yeah. once you see the daddy bears behind, then it's much more easier and much nicer most of the time. <laughs> and also, what I thought was super smart about the teddy bear thing was, You've got the Teddy Talks mm -hmm. thing, and obviously that's quite close to TED Talks, which I was like, genius, because I always think, like in record shop, tell I used to mm -hmm. work in record shops, mm -hmm. so always the alphabet, mm -hmm. so I was always thinking about band names, that you should launch a band that's next to the better selling records, so that you'll be, you Smart, know, close, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you did that, I was like, what a genius thing to do, you know, I'm still waiting for the call yeah, from Yeah, I was <laughs> But I, I think I stay with the steady talks at the moment in the in the industry, really hospitality, yeah. uh, and, and and let's see what what comes out of that. At the end, it's a nice way to connect to people. It's also a nice way to stay in the mm -hmm. in the industry because by by having this network, as you said, it's like a muscle. If you don't show up at this industry event and if you don't uh, con connect and reconnect, you're losing it, the muscle. Yeah. And now doing ketchup is something completely different. Still, I'm using it, but I'm not running a restaurant chain. And I don't want to lose this kind of thing. So I give my friends another reason um, to meet me. I have an interview today with Prudog, with Dave, I think. David, McDowell, yeah. You interviewed great. him. Then tomorrow with John Egbert from Five Guys. Then oh, Alan wow. Yao does one with me tomorrow wow. afternoon. But so you keep that's that amazing. you keep that uh, alive and everybody's happy and yeah. then if you know that it's for charity or even to, then it's even easier yeah 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 wow. it's fun oh man amazing um, so that's really cool so yeah tell us about your next adventure then uh, Curtis Brothers what's what is going so on I, I brought one you anyhow you and your I'll daughter are, are, the, are the, the, the biggest fans now that was really born and I, I really believe I need to say something before I met so many say like agency concept developers who want to develop something in the office and that never really that really never pays off you always need to find a pain point and normally it's found by a crazy entrepreneur and then he gets the idea to a certain level and then the professional pick it up and raise it and I, as I said before, was traveling a lot. And I always do breakfast in the hotels because it's also, you do your emails and stuff. And most of the time I eat toast or toasties, yeah. And I always, like, 
I get these small Heinz, these 300, uh, sorry, the 39 gram Heinz, and you know that you open it. And one time in Oman, in Muscat, I remember, I opened it and I said, look, this cannot be like, I go to Australia, I go to London, I go to Colombia, I go to wherever, and everywhere is the same ketchup. Mm. I like the brand, but I thought, why there's nothing else? So I did a research and figured out that Heinz has 55% market share on ketchup. That's incredible. Mm. And I said, okay, fine, maybe it's a good product. So I sent it to the, uh, paid 500 euros, sent it to a lab, and I got back the result. And I was very, very disappointed because the result of this great brand, what I like and still love, is 17% tomato. This is incredible if you think about tomato ketchup. Then it's almost 30% sugar. And then the rest is basically cornstarch. So it's a very simple, basic product. And if you taste it pure, it's very sugary. And you wouldn't do a ketchup putting 30% sugar in. So I thought, okay, the food, and we, do, we all see that, is really like going up every year, every year, the quality. It's about sustainable food. It's about local sourcing. It's about especially meat, like burgers were uneatable 10 years ago. And not every burger store is like top. So and also the price is raised. Yeah. So why would you buy a good burger investing 15, 17 euro, whatever you yeah. pay, and then putting a sugar sauce on top what takes most of the taste away? That doesn't really make sense. And then I, I stick with that theme and then a friend told me said, Mario, it's like the chin and tonic uh, industry. The chin and tonic yeah. had a very simple tonic which wraps what is a sugary water, but it didn't really matter because the chin back then was also on a yeah, very mid level. But then the chin industry got crazy, and now we I mean there's hundreds of uh, artisan chins. But you don't drink them pure; you need to mix them. And why would you mix them, like one tenth the chin and nine tenths the tonic, yeah, if yeah. you then destroy the taste? And that's why Fever Tree and all the other cool new brands, Thomas Henry, etc., yeah. came up. So he said, "Look, look at that industry. It's a billion-dollar industry sure. too. Why shouldn't that happen to the ketchup?" And yes, there's great new brands out there also here in the market. There's some old school alternatives to Heinz like Stokes or Tip Trees. There's some young and wilds out there like Sir Kensington, Dr. Wills, Saw Shop. They all kind of, everybody tries to revolutionize that. But we found another uh, way, not because we are smarter, we had no idea on industrial production because yeah. every brand I named so far, they're doing basically the same production method. The young and wild are much, much better, but they're using kind of industrial producer. Mm-hmm. And we, we were all cooks and restaurant people. Yeah. So we really, and I didn't know that we're the only ketchup what is cooked. We take the tomato, the real tomato, not the paste. Yeah, 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 everything yeah. else is done with paste. We put the apples in, but real apples. We put the garlic in, not the powder, and we put the herbs in but the real herbs. And then we cook it till it reduces until it's a ketchup. And by doing that, we create a completely other taste. And we had the long discussion, should we call the ketchup? Because when you say ketchup, you think about Heinz and everybody else. So should we call it red sauce or whatever? But at the end of the day, we want the market of the ketchup. So that started as a hobby. As I said, you do business with people you, you, you like, you go on holiday with some friends put in some money I put in some money and we started we cooked ketchup for for friends and then suddenly picked up and we said look let's before we really put more money in let's rent a store and we did that here in London in Proclaim and and, and rent a a very nice corner for two weeks pop-up and we put it in front of 1500 people 
and we did it with the agency who did a proper market research because we didn't want to lie to ourselves. Yeah. It was not the money from somebody else, it was our money. So we said, okay, maybe we like it and maybe our friends like it. But does the guy from the street water, all foodies, you know, the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and we got fantastic results. Like we won by 75% of blind tasting. So we said, okay, it's not just us, there is something. Yeah. And then I also, as I said before, had this feeling I need to get out of a piano. So I, I did that, I used that, and I took all my energy, my network, we put in some money, and we grow a small company. And that was the last two years, it was a lot of fun, a lot of learnings. But now we have 400 active accounts. We started in B2B because we have no clue about retail. We don't know how that works, but we know how to sell to hotels, to restaurants. And we have really, really cool clients like the Hoxton Hotels. <laughs> so, and now we got the capital raise. Uh, a, a richer friend, a richer <laughs> brother than us put in more money than we ever had. So, so we can grow now bigger. We did the Mayo. Uh, because we learned the hotels need a pairing for the room service, so the clerics told us, "Look, guys, we want uh, ketchup what fits uh, my what fits to the ketchup to send to the room." So we did that, and now let's see what comes. We we really see ourselves as as a condiment company. Um, maybe we do salad dressings. Maybe we do chili sauces. We need to see, but everything is organic. Everything is cooked, and everything it's is free too, right? The ketchup, yes. Yeah, the yeah. ketchup and the, uh, is gluten-free and vegan. Uh, the mayo is not vegan because we decided that on top of everything we put the taste. Yeah. And yes, this is very healthy because it only has 6% sugar. I told you before that the, the competition has 30. We have 6. And we have 77% fruit instead of 17. And this is what we want to stand for. Like... Honest condiments or something yeah. like that. So we 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 now need to find the retail branding mm -hmm. because we got this beautiful old brand called Curtis Brothers, yeah. and we need to see now it's such a um, an asset we have and we don't know really how to harvest it yeah. yet. So tell us about that then. So Curtis Brothers, it was a brand that existed. Yeah. So how did you go about that? That, that was funny. It? We we had no idea how to do ketchup. So a friend of mine who was one of the first co-founder, we went on Wikipedia and put in ketchup, like really stupid first research. And the first picture what came up was not Heinz, it was Curtis Brothers, oh. because Curtis Brothers is one year older than Heinz. And back then in the 19th century, there was hundreds of ketchup companies. Ketchup was like the thing because the quality of the food back then, industrial revolution, especially yeah. in New York, and etc., was really mediocre till shit. And you needed to have a sauce, a sugar sauce, just to get it done. Yeah. So all the producers, the immigrants who did canned uh, tomatoes made ketchup, what was basically the rest of the tomato with some sugar. Mm. And there was a lot of these companies, hundreds. And one of them was Heinz, and one of them was Curtis Brothers. And Curtis Brothers and Heinz was back then like Pepsi against Coke. Adidas and Puma or whatever. Yeah, yeah and we have great picture from Times Square back then uh, where you have a big Heinz advertisement, a, blue, uh, a big Curtis Brothers advertisement. Wow. Heinz, I bet you want to do that. Then, Heinz right? survived uh, <laughs> and, and took the market by a very smart decision. We also have to, to tell that all the other ketchups were very dirty produced. And Heinz had the vision to do a transparent, very, very modern production. They invested crazy. They did a lot of education. And, and that helped. Mm -hmm. I like quality always helps. And all the other ketchup companies got bankrupt over the next 50 years. So okay. our brand got bankrupt 1940. And then it was like 
that. And we found it. We 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 are seven guys, so we like this brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like Curtis because it sticks somehow. I think so. Yeah. So we we contacted the family and said, "Would you mind if we take it?" And they said, "Look, what do you like to do?" And we said, "Ketchup, obviously." So they were, were so happy. It was like the great great grandparents, like fourth generation. So they gave us all the archives, the pictures. So we registered it, we bought it. We don't pretend that we're the old Curtis brothers. We are the ones who kiss it awake. But we like this old story. Yeah. And and now we need to see what we can, like what's the next step for the brand. That's amazing. And I didn't realize that until I was kind of researching into it a bit more. And I, I love that thought that... Um, it was one year older. Like I yeah. just, I love that. Like authenticity. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, because it's almost like um, in my hometown in Scotland. Um, you know the Masons, the mm-hmm. Masonic. Yeah. yeah. So um, our hometown was like the first ever Masonic lodge. Oh really? So it's called Number Nothing, Number Zero, Number Nothing, and Edinburgh says it's the first. So Edinburgh was number one, and then my hometown co-winning it went for number nothing to beat the you know so it's kind of like that we're more authentic you know or something but I, I, I think one year old it's just a nice gimmick and, and really we, we have to say Heinz is an amazing mm. brand it's just I think the, the market is ready for a new kind of product and I think there will always be a market for, for both there will be people who really are willing to spend more because obviously if you do a ketchup produced as ours that costs more but also there's people out there who go online and buy meat for 150 euro because yeah. they want to to provide something different for barbecue. And that's the clientele we need. We, we will not be at the discounter where people go in for whatever reason who need to buy or who want to buy cheap food. This will not be a market. Mm-hmm. And for that, it's great that there's yeah. brand out there. But we really try to grab the foodies, the yeah. meat lovers. And we want to get rid of this faux bar where... Like, Ketchup you serve to French fries or to kids, yeah. but you don't eat with your bistecca Fiorentina. But we want to eat it with the bistecca Fiorentina yeah. because it fits, and yeah. that's why we are so close to butchers and to Dario Cecchini, who is our, our friend in Pantano, to really educate and say, "Give us a chance. Put it on your great steak. Put it on your homemade burger, and you will see it's not the ketchup you serve to your kids." Because that was always the, the sort of joke, you know, if you ask for ketchup in a nice restaurant, yeah. like, you know, Gordon Ramsay would come out and yeah. punch you or whatever. We, we still need to get him because he's <laughs> like, if we can convince him, he hates ketchup. All right. So That's we, the test. we need to work on that. Yeah. So oh, if sure. anybody knows him, guys, <laughs> we need to get access to him. <laughs> That'd be amazing. From Supersonic Inc. This is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. So you touched on learnings. So it'd be really good, you know, just for listeners as well, you know, doing what you've done to understand the learnings that you've had maybe at Vapiano and at Curtis Brothers you know what what were you seeing and what have you taken benefit from 
I really think, as I said before, the partnerships. I'm not a guy who likes to work alone. That mm -hmm. doesn't uh, work. And and how to form partners at Vapiano to find the right franchise partners or not. Curtis Brothers to find the right brothers. To really make sure that you have this matching DNA and that you really love these people. Because you will spend so much time. You will spend more time than in your relationship at home. Yeah. And also to say no. Because sometimes there comes a guy... And he seems right, and he's in the book perfect, and he has the right money as an investor, as a franchise partner. So everything is on green, just your gut feeling doesn't mm. like. And I really can just encourage everybody to rather say one time more no than saying yes. Yeah. Because getting out of a toxic relationship privately or on business is very, very exhausting. And I think this discipline to really define for yourself, and it's for everybody something different. Yeah, I need people who enjoy food and smoke a cigar with me. Others wouldn't need that, so they want to have somebody who does sports with them. So I don't say that's my parameter, but everybody needs to find the parameter of people they match, they share interests, they share values, how to treat food, how to treat people, etc. And then if you find that, then really test it over some time and then um, fi find the perfect partner. And then the other learning on Vapiano and on Curtis Brothers is incremental growth. Because you will make mistakes, but if you produce 2,000 bottles of ketchup and they're wrong, okay, fine, you will survive that. If you produce 20,000, you will not survive. So we really did 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, 8,000. And every time there was some mistake, but we always survived it. Sometimes the lid was wrong, the label was wrong, the herbs was wrong. But then, once you're there, then you make the big bang. Yeah. And that's the same with the restaurant. You you open the, the first one in the country, maybe a little bit silent, uh, around the corner location, grow it organically, instead of going in, open 10 yeah, restaurants yeah. and making the same mistake Our 10 times. <laughs> yeah. So really, growing incremental, finding the, the right partner, trust your gut feeling, um, and really do it getting, getting as we said before getting out of the comfort zone and, and, and also know your place because I think you need also to partner with people who are who know what you don't know because that's also learning from a friend of mine Tobias Beck who does a fantastic podcast who says you're the result of the relationship with your people who were closest to you you're the result of the seven people you spend most of the time with and that's true because if that's like a homeless the home, 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 homeless people or, or not, not motivated people they will track you down but if you have like entrepreneurial minds around you with a vision visionaries mm -hmm. you will grow or and and i think uh, i'm an entrepreneurial type and you also need to know what you don't know that you're not systematic that you're not like following the destruction a company then you need to find mm -hmm. these people who do who do that for you well i think what's um, we had a little interruption now. Um, <clears throat> but um, somebody wanted to come into a yeah, could have joined maybe us. The, maybe the dj <laughs> but i think also there's that level of self-awareness and confidence in yourself, though, to be able to know yourself. So it's a great point you made saying maybe if someone's a sports fanatic or they don't enjoy food, or you know, but it's almost do the analysis of yourself to know yourself. And I think at our age, you know, I think you're 42, we've gone, right? We've, we've, same. So, we've gone through yeah, that. We've, uh, we've, we've looked self for it. We've looked for it. Um, but, but I think, yeah, I think... It's a you know to try and do that earlier and and as you see, say no more and don't try to be a people pleaser and you know do what's right for you and I sure. think as you get older you feel more comfortable with saying I'm not going to go to that party I'm not going to do that today and you know I need to do this and you know I think that that's a helpful thing but 
surrounding yourself with those types of people um, is definitely the right thing because I think as I'm going into my new venture I'm looking for that match with clients mm -hmm. as well as I'm with the network of people round about me that will help me because you know I can come up with some ideas but I can't draw <laughs> you know so you need to have, have those types of people so I think that's a really good shout for sure um, the other thing I was kind of thinking about was um, that's a speaking side of things so that personal brand and um, you know all that side of things so you're a professional speaker now I guess and I'm not sure I'm, yeah. a professional. I'm an authentic speaker I yeah. also think I think I'm not a professional speaker and I'm proud on that because some, as we said, we go a lot of these events and some, some people are so scripted. Mm -hmm. They are a professional, perfect speaker. Every word, every tone, mm -hmm. every every guest, every yeah. slide is perfect. Yeah. But if you ask you five and you, you stand up and applaud and then I ask you, what did he talk about? And you say, oh, I don't know. Because it's not edgy, it's not quirky, it's not authentic. And I really like... People and there's great guys out there who just go on stage and tell about their experience and mm. share it and be honest, transparent, and open. Yeah. And this is what you grasp. If the PowerPoint slide is perfect, or if, like if you make mistakes because it's not your native language or whatever, I think that's not really important. Mm. It's really important to be authentic. And I like to go to these conferences because a you learn a lot, you mm. meet a lot of new people, um, and it's a great way to to absorb from the industry, but also to give back and share. And sometimes panel discussions are quite boring, but sometimes they're really nice and you yeah, meet yeah, yeah. new chaps. And at the end, also for us, for you building a business, for me building a business, it's the cheapest promotion we get. Yeah. Because you have 100 people in the room, 500 people, 250, whatever, and they listen to you for 10 minutes. I mean, you need to appreciate it. Somebody listens about like us now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many people will, will, will hear that. But there's a couple of hundreds of thousand people who are willing to spend 30 minutes of their life to listen yeah. to us. Well, this was the oldest That's thing. That's nice. Well, I, I, went to, <laughs> I went to a, a conference. It was an awards thing the other night. And this guy came up to me and, you know, he's like, hey, listen to podcasts. I've never met him. And, you know, and it's so nice that the people come and say hi and stuff. I was like, oh, that's great. And I said, um, you know, what, what have you listened to? And he's like, well, I've just been in New Zealand at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And he was listening to it in New Zealand on Christmas Day, mm -hmm. like up really? a mountain or something. And I was just like, what? So we looked at the um, figures, Gabby, that you just met. We looked at the figures back and it, uh, it was 177 people or something downloaded mm -hmm. it on Christmas Day. And you're just like, because it's almost like you can't, you know, you can't judge for that. You know, you can't yeah, yeah. plan for that. So it's amazing what what happens and where the listeners are, and it's crazy, great, crazy. But in terms of these events as well, I get asked an awful lot, and it'd be good to get your advice. You know, just how you got into speaking. You know, any preparation that you do. What happened? How did that? Happen? Yeah, I think also. You need to get out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. because everybody first is like, okay, should I really go on stage? And I think you should start as early as possible and you don't need to go to a auditorium like that with people. But you speak in front of your group, you speak yeah. in front of your... If you're a leader or if you're a colleague, you speak in front of them, you do presentation. Because the more you, 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 you do it, the easier it goes for you. Don't try to imitate somebody, yeah. be yourself, create your own stuff. And, and also don't fake it. Because you said now that the glasses, the scarves, it really came from I'm always cold and always got the cold from the air conditioner, so I start wearing scarves. Mm. And then as I travel a lot, I told you I have hand luggage and I never check in. And to make sure that you look every day a little bit different, I have two jackets with me on a four weeks travel, but I have 10 scarves because then every day somebody thinks that I look 
different Fresh. or buttons or whatever. It was just really a pragmatic thing and out of that turns like a trademark. But if you try to say, okay, what can I do to look different? Then you just look like a stupid idiot. Yeah? <laughs> and and I, I think that, that that's important. But back to this speaking, I think there's also great guys out there who help you to train. And it's not about scripting. It's really get out of your comfort zone. There's great seminars out there. And if you really don't feel comfortable, just do it and practicing. I, I got very nervous last year when a friend of mine, owner of a big company, said, Mario, I'd like you to talk in front of 2,000 people. I said, great, I'll do that. And then he said, yeah, but you're not allowed to talk about the piano and you're not allowed to talk about Curtis Price. You need to pick a topic what you have never talked wow. before. And then I said, wow, okay, good. And then I did this steady bear story and I liked it so much that afterwards I said, I put so much work into that so now let's make the book. But it really brought me out of the comfort zone because if you first time like talking about something what you've never talked before, yeah. that's a challenge. But afterwards you feel so good and so proud yeah. and it's like, okay, what's now? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, that's a hard thing. It's like one of those, um, I've been to a few networking nights yeah. and you're not allowed to see what your job is or what your previous jobs were. Or, yeah. So it really makes you think of other quick, you know what you're passionate about what what you're into True. where did you get your hair cut I don't know but it just makes you go other other places another thing I was thinking about was um, just this staying positive we've touched on you being mm-hmm. super positive already but you know a lot of days must have been hard days for you during work and, and all mm-hmm. these things so where do you get your energy from and, and your inspiration and these kind of things how do you stay happy hmm uh I really try to find the balance by being really intense with people and being alone. If you follow me, you maybe think I'm always with people. That's not true because if you travel, you have quite a lot of downtime and being alone. I use that instead of being sad and lonesome and being homesick. You use it and and try to discover. And I think the nicest thing what you can do is getting lost in a city. I leave the phone... Uh, and I just walk around without Google Maps and just try and stumble into a situation that could be restaurants, that could be parks, that could be people just stumble into normal life in a city like Tokyo or Istanbul or wherever. I do that a lot. I walk a lot because I think you you realize a city. I'm a very visual person. Then I see something. I'm very curious. And then you go in and there. If you do that, it loads you a lot and you get distracted. I'm not a sports guy at all. I hate sports. It's not healthy for me. Um, I like to share food. Also with strangers because if you invite people, I always encourage when I visited my partners with Curtis but also with my piano. I said, I it's boring just to meet you alone he invites me for people of your family who have nothing to do with your business and just like share a meal yeah. and I think this gives a lot of distraction energy for me personally when I'm really alone I take my, my book I take a pen I smoke a, a good cigar what I really like and then you reflect yeah, because then you have the, the depth but also the distance to give back energy when, you, when it's needed yeah. And also, I like to disappear when I like. I'm not the person who stays when people get crazy and drunk. Yeah. I, 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 I build a frame. Mm-hmm. I pick up the check. I get them the disco, the DJ, the music, the booze. I stay for the first two or three drinks and then I'm out. Right. Because I need to perform tomorrow again yeah. at another partner. And if I'm hangover this will not be good and they should have fun and yeah, all yeah. fine yeah. and tomorrow I'm in another country another city and I can do the same so that's a little bit discipline yeah. Um, but uh, yeah I don't mind doing that and is there any routines like you know meditation or these types of things do you look to these kind of things or no I have a like I don't know if it's a bad habit or I cannot be without music uh-huh. so 
every time I have my, my Bose speaker when I go to the hotel room because I do a lot of hotel rooms yeah. make myself a tea get the, uh, like a, a specific smell what I carry with me like oh. a room smell and uh, the music to make it like to occupy it interesting yeah like That's a dog what pisses on something <laughs> just is that what the smell is dog piss <laughs> <laughs> I just say okay I own it now because otherwise you don't get like home if you make I never then order to the room service not because of the money but if you get your kettle and you make your tea it, it's very psychological but it feels like you're making your home yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and every three or fourth night they do an Airbnb instead of a hotel to trick yourself that you're like in somebody's home yeah, that yeah, where yeah. there's real books and a kitchen even if you yeah. don't use it um, and I think this this keeps you. Otherwise, you I never change. I never do a Hilton now or something like that. Yeah. Not that I have no problem with Hilton, but I have no problem with any chain. But I, it's not for me. Yeah. I like a quirky, edgy boutique hotel, mm-hmm. uh, very normal price, but who have some character. So yeah. when I wake up, I know where I am, and yeah. I'm not in a in a hotel room where I need to think for ten minutes. Yeah. So um, I was just looking at the time, and you're going to be on stage pretty soon. Um, uh, so <laughs> I was uh, I was just going to sort of get to the end bit. So we've been doing a new feature, which has been going quite well, which is called Mark Out of Ten. So this was okay. a few questions, okay. just to give your you know your 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 Hit best me. your best things really. So best city for food, Tokyo. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, it's this. I lived here for six months. I always try to get back. It's the city for food, but it's difficult to discover yeah. because of language barriers and because it's not easy to find. The best restaurants are very, very hidden. They don't scream, but get the local guy or get, get input from me or from others and, and go there. It's worth the money. It's the city for food. Yeah, it's an incredible place. Incredible. Best restaurant anywhere in the world you've eaten at? I think overall experience, food and performance, uh, probably Fair Weekend in the north of uh, Scotland from Magnus Nielsen. I think that's uh, because the, to travel there is already uh, an adventure. You fly to, uh, to Stockholm, then you fly another one and a half hours north, then you take a car and you drive an hour. So till you're there, you're like in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And what I love about it is you share the food and then you share the room because everybody sleeps there. You need to sleep there. And once the performance is over, so once you have eaten, you sit outside of the house, you have a cocktail or a smoke or whatever, and then the chefs come out because they also live there. And then you say, look, I really like this and that. So it's like, it's a normal performance of a normal restaurant. Yeah. But at the end, you stay together. And, and then they have a sauna because it's the culture. So you take a sauna with the chef or with a, with a guy or a girl or whatever on the other table. So you, you kind of connect afterwards and you still talk about it. I love that experience. It's very, very unique. I'm so glad you said Scotland as well. That's great. That's good news. <laughs> um, I don't know if we can name and shame. Worst meal you've ever had? I think everything what is like prepared with like with not taking care there's a lot of horrible food a lot because I eat every day two three times outside and because I'm never home but I have the discipline and I don't think that that's bad it's food waste I know but if I don't like it I I stop in a second I pay I don't make a big drama I don't go online but I just go to the next place because if I think the 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 life life is too short for horrible food And then the best meal you've had, so I know this restaurant was amazing and all the rest of it. Is there one dish that you crave? I really think the first 
Shake Shack Burger at Madison Square Park when you're cute, like a cup, like really early days. Like just, it's always this first. I think the second time you go there, I still love it. I love the brand. I love the guys. But it's always the first bite, yeah. yeah. And and I think what what we that's from a from a restaurant. I think comfort food, as I told you, my my father had a restaurant and the Wiener Schnitzel as an oh, Austrian. Yeah, huh? But the cheap Wiener Schnitzel, what is from the Borg, uh, because the real Wiener Schnitzel is from the wheel, but in the countryside restaurants you served it from the Borg, like a really fatty, good schnitzel done by my father back then. That's like comfort food. And I think you're always like great for the pasta or for the mashed potato, something what like makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. I think for me, the best food is never in this high-end restaurant. It's a great performance. And we talked before that in, if in the industry, you need to do the top 10 and you need to compare that and they're all great yeah. but if you need to ask me where you want to go back then I'd say it for the schnitzel or for this first burger at the nice. Shake Shack yeah. nice well listen I better let you go because you're just about to go I think that's the break and we need to yeah. prepare so yeah well listen Murray, thank you so much for your time it's, I, think I could have talked to you for fun. hours we can <laughs> you know, do that it's as if we're not recording so yeah. yeah so thanks so much good luck I thank you on the stage um and yeah, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Perfect. Some teddy bear adventures. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, Bye. man. Thank you. What a guy. What a guy. Incredible episode. So much fun. He had to run because he was just going on stage straight after the podcast that we did. So much energy, so much enthusiasm, so much curiosity. The guy is just so infectious to be around. Really, really brilliant stuff from Mario C. Bauer who is now leading and working with his team uh, of Curtis Brothers to bring you the best, most natural ketchup in the world. A huge thanks also to Gaz and Gabby for pulling together the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to all of you for listening and tuning in. It's been a real delight just hearing from you on regular occasions every single day through all of my social media inboxes. Thank you so much for that. A huge thanks also to our sponsor, BDO, for investing and really believing in the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. We are really chuffed to bits with their involvement. So from me, Mark McSee, I'm signing off. Bless you for listening. And I really hope that the insights and advice and tips that you heard today will make your brand boom. Boom.